welcome to Better Together and As We podcast for future reference. As We, as an ASWE, stands for the Alzheimer's Society of Windsor and Essex County. This podcast will feature engaging conversations with guests ranging from community leaders to care partners and persons living with dementia to raise awareness about this disease. You're listening to Better Together and As We podcast, and this is our eighth episode. My name is Cindy Keo, and I'm joined today by Dina Pfeiffer. Dina has very close ties to the Alzheimer's Society, and I'm so excited to have her on this month's podcast. Thank you so much, Dina, for uh, virtually being here with me today. Thank you, Cindy, for inviting me. It's a so, pleasure. So, so happy. I haven't seen you in so long. I know. I know. COVID times. Right? I'm hoping all of this has an end to it soon. Um, it's looking like it, I think. <laughs> Yep. Yep. So I want to start off with um, a description of who you are, how you became involved with the Alzheimer's Society. Well, who I am, I'm a sister to currently two older brothers. I had three older brothers. My brother Brett passed away. Uh, I'm retired from the post office, but I'm still an energy therapist. I've been doing holistic um, healing and energy therapy for nearly 30 years now. So I still do that out of my home office. Uh, I'm a jewelry maker. I'm a cat lover. I'm a musician. I'm a singer. Um, I was care partner to my oldest brother, Brett, till his passing last year. And we became involved with the Alzheimer's Society through a very dear friend of mine named Sean Taylor, whose father, uh, Frank Geddes, was a client. And Sean was involved as his father's care partner. So anyways, Sean highly, highly recommended the Alzheimer's Society to me um, when my brother started having, he hadn't even been diagnosed at that point, but he was having some unusual behavior. So Sean recommended me to you guys. It was a little while before I came, but uh, I came and then subsequently my brother joined as well. Yay, I'm so happy to hear that. So um, during COVID, actually, that's when we became very, very close. Actually, yeah. a little bit before that, because yeah. during the memory cafes, um, yeah. you and Brett would perform. And yeah. can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, my gosh. We loved doing that so much. My brother was uh, a very well-renowned trumpet player and still was playing uh, up until his passing. He was playing with the Gemini Wind Ensemble and we did porch concerts during COVID. Yeah. Um, but when we started going to the Memory Cafe, uh, Andy was still working there then. And my brother and Andy like hit it off like two peas in a pod. Like he just, lo he loved everybody, but he particularly connected with Andy. So when Andy invited us to Memory Cafe, and then when learning that Brett was a musician, mm -hmm. after we'd attended a couple sessions, invited us to perform there. So I got a bunch of um, singers from my church choir and Brett played the trumpet and then a fellow to play keyboard for us. And we, I think we performed at least twice, yep. possibly three, but not, not at least twice. Yeah. We did a Christmas and we did a, some, another time. I don't, was it Thanksgiving or I don't, I don't know. I, I remember. can't remember. I know we did a Christmas cause we all wore our red shirts. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't remember the other one, but I know that we came at least one other time. 
Yeah, I'm trying to remember what holiday it was, but I do remember actually Brett playing the trumpet for us at yeah. the day program too for thanks, not Thanksgiving. That was for Remembrance Day. Remembrance Day, we yes. Played, we played the last post for Remembrance Day. And yes. he he loved it. He loved playing. And one thing about my brother was he loved being of service. Mm-hmm. And so when, um, I'm forgetting her name now, uh, she asked him to play. Uh, he was thrilled. He was just thrilled. He goes, I'd play for those people anytime. So he brought his trumpet to mem- or, yeah, to um, the day away and uh, play the last post on Remembrance Day. Yeah, I remember during COVID for your first uh, porch performance. Yeah. Um, how many people showed up? Yes. Yes. Was so that was beautiful. very good. It was so, it, you know, I did that for him. Like everybody needed an uplift in the early days of COVID. So we, that's what we were doing it for. But I actually did it for him because when COVID hit and all the activities stopped, mm-hmm. um, he had was showed serious rapid decline. So I did this for him, knowing that some people would come, he'd be able to interact at a distance with people, plus play his horn, which he loved to do. And he was right in his glory. You yeah. know, people acknowledged him, people thanked him for playing. And uh, he said, he said, I, he said after, I, I did that again, Dina. <laughs> and we did two more after yep, that. Yeah, we did. Yeah. yeah. I know, so. I remember after you, you guys performed, he actually individually said, hi to everyone that was there yeah. too which yeah. was very very nice I was surprised because I didn't know if he would remember me because he I was out sure. of uniform yeah 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 he did he was pretty he surprised me in so many ways because he was still pretty functional in a lot of ways other yeah. ways he showed decline but he he knew everybody like he he never forgot anybody he could remember phone numbers still like things that sort of surprised me and as the disease progressed, mm-hmm. he was still capable of doing, which was a blessing. What were some of the signs that you noticed um, about Brett? In the beginning, so his wife passed away in 2015 and she had had a lengthy illness with cancer and he had been her caregiver and he had been like the best care partner anybody could ever ask for. Focus, focus, that was his whole world taking care of her. So after she died, like all of that stopped. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I actually think he had kind of a psychotic break because he started having some very unusual behaviors, things not necessarily related to Alzheimer's or dementias, like a personality split, mm-hmm. um, uh, heightened anger, um, violence, which he didn't show in the later stages, but but this personality split where he felt like he was two people, that's when I got involved in his care. And he got some uh, mental health help and got on medication and all of that disappeared. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I was seeing the forgetfulness and the not, he, he was a fantastic cook and he just stopped cooking. Yeah. And uh, so that was one thing. That's when I, I started going over cooking for him or leaving food prepared for him, etc. Um, and just things, kind of a lack of lack of motivation, um, lack of interest in things, um, sort of like vague things. You know, it wasn't like all of us, other than the cooking where he stopped, um, he still took care of his pets. He walked his dog. He played his trumpet. He was still driving. Um, 
he still ate, he was still involved in a lot of things, but it was like the kind of the lack of motivation, the lack of inspiration, the lack of interest in things. And um, the psychiatric doctor uh, recommended he go to the geriatric assessment program, which is when he actually got the diagnosis. Uh, his cognition was, I think when he first went, it was like 27. Mm-hmm. Uh, second visit there was like 24 and it's you know started to go down so that was when I knew and that's when we started getting involved with the Alzheimer's Society. Did he start attending the day program right away or it took some time for him to ease into it? That took a while we, we did the other things first we did the first links we did that oh. uh, but then we the second thing we did I think it was called creative expressions it was kind of like the art uh, class, if you will, which I loved, and he really didn't like that much. But we did it. We did the whole thing, yeah. and then we did the minds and motion, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were going to Memory Cafe, and uh, but as he declined, I I knew he needed more, and I got him into the day away day program, and he really didn't like it in the beginning. Like he didn't. I think it was the fact that he. He kind of didn't have a choice. Yeah. <laughs> like I kind of made him go. And but once he got into it, he liked going. You know, it took a few few weeks of going before he started to enjoy it. But he did start to enjoy it, you know. Um, and then then it was no issue. And then we did the dining with dementia. Like he liked all of those, you know. He used to always say, Dina, how can how can he'd go to pay the bill? Yeah. <laughs> And there was no bill. He was like, why isn't there a bill? And I says, because the Alzheimer's Society is taking care of this. How can they do that? Why do they do that? And I said, that's, that's what they do, you know. But yeah, we enjoyed that very yeah, much. The Dining with Dementia program was um, an absolutely amazing program. Yeah. I, I wish that it could continue. Hopefully it okay. can in the near future. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, what was your favorite part about it? Um. I enjoyed watching him interact with people. I mean, it was nice to have a meal out and everything. I enjoyed that, of course, but I enjoyed watching him interact with people and um, be acknowledged and mm-hmm. uh, like, cause he would, he would light up, Yeah, you know, when he was included in things like that. So that I, that, I think that's what I liked the most is seeing that his reaction. Um, what were some of the best memories that you have with Brett? You know, there's so many and we don't have enough time <laughs> but um, certainly as children we played together in bands we always played together in bands mm-hmm. um, uh, when I got married um, my father was already passed so Brett mm-hmm. was the one to walk me down the aisle and give me away and he, he, he gives me a kiss as he goes to give me away and then he waits wait and he pulls me back and he gives me a second kiss and he says that one's for dad. And I just, he was always so thoughtful that way. Mm-hmm. That's special. And then, um, you know, as his, as his diagnosis came along and I became more active with him, we did so many social things together. It sounds kind of weird, but it was almost like we were a couple because it was like Dina and Brett, Dina and Brett, Dina and Brett for this. Uh, we took annual boat cruises down the Detroit River. Um, we started doing more things as a family. We would go to Point Pelee. Um, we went to the Children's Science Center at Point Pelee and put on all the children's costumes. And we have a picture of ourselves all dressed up in these silly children's bat. And 
blue-tailed skink costumes and so on and so forth. Um, so many things. Always loved playing music with him. You know, then I was go to his house regularly and we'd just have a movie night many times a week, movie night and meal together and a glass of wine and, you know, lots, lots of good memories. I honestly so admire your guys' relationship so much um, because you don't see a lot of, you know, siblings that close um, nowadays. And yeah. I loved having you guys both there with me always. Oh, at you. any program. It just reminds me of my family and how close we are. Yeah. Um, but no, um, I'm, I'm really, really, really happy that you were his care partner throughout his. Oh, and me too. You know, I, I've said to other people, it's, um, it can, it's hard. It's challenging, but it's also an honor and a privilege. And I am very grateful. And you've honestly seen him throughout every stage of it as well. So yeah. in every yeah. stage, I feel like you took it on with just so much will and strength and, and mm -hmm. courage. Thank you. You know, you did amazing. Well, he was the oldest and I'm the youngest. Um, but of all the siblings, we were the most alike. We were so alike in mm -hmm. so many ways in what we liked to do and how we liked, we liked antiques. We had such strong familial ties more than the other siblings. And it just was natural when he started to decline that, you know, and he's lived independently right up until he went in, he went in the hospital two weeks before he passed mm -hmm. and he lived independently right up until that time at home taking care of his animals, you know, which was a blessing. Yeah, when it you told me that he was uh, driving and going grocery shopping for himself still, I was super happy about well, that. Most of the time I did that and mm -hmm. I'd say, Brett, let me get, let me get anything because I didn't want him driving. The doctor had said he could still drive. His own mm -hmm. family doctor said he could still drive, uh, but I didn't really like him driving. But the grocery store was just like five minutes away and I thought, you know what? He knows where he's going. He can get his juice if he wants to get yeah. it or whatever, you know. And it gave him that sense of independence, you know, that, that was important to him, his independence. So, so since yeah. uh, Brett's passing, you've become so involved with the Alzheimer's Society. You've been fundraising for us and helping us, you know, do certain events. Um, why is that important for you to continue? Helping? I just feel so strongly about the need to give back I just feel like um and we met so many wonderful people and uh I just and and so many things didn't cost or had such a nominal cost that was like unbelievable and I think you know I would hope that that stuff can always continue for people and and be available so so I just want to give back I'm just grateful for all you guys did for us well, we want to thank you for continuing to help us fundraise and spreading the word mm -hmm. of Alzheimer's disease. And even you being here on this podcast with me is just amazing. Amazing. It's my pleasure. And I was invited last year. Uh, well, Brett and I were both invited last year to attend the um, conference in Toronto. Yeah. And uh, he, he declined because he didn't want to leave his animals overnight. Mm -hmm. uh, but I went. And um, I ended up being a speaker there at the conference. And then what else did we do? We did, uh, oh, we did the, the Christmas holiday newsletter a few mm -hmm. years, a couple years ago. So he liked that. He kind of liked 
being in the limelight a little bit, you know, <laughs> like he created that. Yeah. So, yeah, so it was our pleasure then and my pleasure now. Yeah, yeah, I think that that conference that you went to in Toronto for the Finding Your Way event, um, that was yes. the last in-person event that the Olympics Yes, it was right before, because it was February, so it was right before COVID really hit here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm happy that you went to that before COVID happened. <laughs> Me too. Me too. So um, the reason um, that I wanted to really dive into this conversation and, and talk to you is because um, the holidays are coming up. What are some tips and tricks that you can give to some of our clients and care partners um, for this upcoming holiday season? Things that you found helped you and Brett during the holidays? Well, I would say as much as possible because with, at least with Brett, routine and familiar things were very important. So as much as possible to keep to the routines you've been doing. But having said that, if the routine is too much now, um, not to be afraid to make changes, like if it needs to be a smaller group or if it needs to be order in food or if it needs to be, you know, maybe two small gatherings of the family over the holidays as opposed to one giant thing that's overwhelming for the care partner and the person with it. Um, so not to be afraid to make changes, um, but at the same time, if routine can be incorporated, it's just such a comforting sense, I think, to most people, you know, to be able to do that. But for the care partners in particular, well, not just in particular, also for the clients, groups can be overwhelming. Mm -hmm. um, the noise can be overwhelming. Uh, so not to be afraid to make changes and, um, uh, you know, maybe a place where they can go off and sit off by themselves or just with one other person or maybe just have some soft music or soft lighting or whatever. So it's not as um, not as noisy, not as turbulent, you know, um, just to have that available. They may want it. They might not, you know, but um, to have some options available. Yeah, and to not be forceful, allow them to make their own decisions. Absolutely, yeah. I always try to, you know, read their physical cues as well. So if they're, you know, they start um, playing with their hands a lot or yeah. they just, if they're just becoming agitated and you see that, um, yeah. that's when you need to take them to a quiet place yeah. or that's your cue to leave. Yeah. Yeah, divert or distract or whatever, whatever works. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So did you guys go to a lot of holiday get-togethers or gatherings? Um, we, I always had a big Christmas, like we always went to church Christmas Eve and because all pretty much all our whole family goes to the same church. So we'd go to church Christmas Eve and when we got out about 1130 because it was a candlelight service, everybody would come here. Mm -hmm. So we'd have a group of about 20 here at my house Christmas Eve. And then traditionally, we always went to Brett's house for Christmas Day. And we still did that the year, excuse me, the year after Ingrid passed. I think we did that for two years and it was too much. Okay. We, we couldn't do that anymore. Even though everybody was bringing the food in and everybody was doing everything, it was still too much. So I think the final Christmas we had was here. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, um, we didn't do a lot other than Christmas Day and Christmas Eve, and we usually go visit an aunt. But other than that, not a lot of holiday partying or anything. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So but he loved that still. He still yeah. loved the family get-togethers. So you attended the Dining with Dementia program. What are some yes. of the things that you noticed that helped um, the program be more successful for clients and care partners? Like I say, I, I really, there was one in particular we went to where the chef did a demonstration of the cooking, didn't just provide the food, did a demonstration. Uh, I think most everybody liked that. He was very engaging and a bit humorous. Mm-hmm. So people appreciated that. Um, I think um, uh, I think for the care partners, it was also an opportunity to just kind of breathe, not have to do, just be able to breathe, have a social outing of their own, even though they were still with their, uh, you know, their other care partner or significant other. Um, and the staff that was always there was always so engaging and always easy to have conversation with and always included everybody in that. Um, the groups were not too big, maybe was it six or eight people, maybe roughly. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't too big to manage. You could still have conversation with just about everybody and um, easy, easy, um, easy menus, like nothing, nothing. Sometimes they gave a different menu or sometimes they just gave a set plate so people didn't have to make decisions, mm-hmm. you know, um, and just, just homey food, nothing, you know, nice, comforting home, homey food and good company and um, not loud. Sometimes we had the place to ourselves. Mm-hmm. I think probably we mostly always had the place to ourselves at the times that I was there. So yeah, just things that made it more manageable for, for the, the person dealing with dementia. Mm-hmm. You know? So a few things that I wanted to um, just put out there for our clients and care partners is name tags. Name tags I found um, were a huge game changer just so that the clients and care partners knew who everyone was. Um, Labeling, you could label food items, um, family photos in your home um, and having a well-lit area with um, not loud music, I guess, um, helped out a lot as well. Um, yeah, so thank you for sharing your uh, tips and tricks with us. Um, so the, the name of our podcast is Better Together. Um, what does that mean to you? To me, it meant absolutely support, support and uh, for my brother, acknowledgement, inclusion, inclusion. I, I, um, I digress, but I could not believe how many people fell away from my brother's life with his diagnosis. And that was so hurtful to me. So the inclusion, full inclusion by people at the Alzheimer's, acknowledgement, acceptance, non-judgment, um, all of those things that in, in other circles was prevalent, was not prevalent. Um, were all opportunities that he experienced there. And for me, the support, like me to know that he was getting all those things that were necessary for him to stay as heightened as he could, um, you know, was a relief, was, um, you know, um, a big relief and uh, just made my life easier. knowing that if something came up, I could reach out to somebody who 
would be able to help me. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I would say inclusion for the for the clients and support for the care partners. And Dude. I just want to say too, Dude. yeah, you made friends and and you have support that you absolutely, have. absolutely, yeah. People I'm still in contact with, yeah. Thank you so much, Dina, for taking the time out of your busy day to do this podcast with me. I would love for us to finish this podcast with some fire rapid questions. These five questions are random and will allow our audience to get to know a little more about you. Can you answer these questions with one word or one sentence and there are no wrong answers? Are you ready? Ready. <laughs> Question number one. If you didn't have to sleep, what would you do with your extra time? Probably read or make jewelry. All right. If you could only eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Probably chicken. Chicken, any specific way that you like it cooked or? Anyway. Anyway. Anyway, yeah. What would your perfect Sunday look like? Oh, I always go to church Sunday and probably a nice relaxing afternoon with beautiful sunny weather and a light balmy breeze that I could sit out in my garden. Nice. Well, what could you give a 40 minute presentation on with absolutely no preparation? Oh, the healing arts, my Reiki work, my energy therapy I do. And you're still doing Reiki healing yes. to this day? Yes. Okay, perfect. So I'm going to put your contact information for that in um, oh, when the you. podcast comes out so people can reach out to you that way. Oh, thank you. Um, what's the best piece of advice someone has ever given you? not to take myself so seriously. Perfect. Thank you so much, Dina. It was a pleasure speaking with you today. I hope our listeners use some of the tips and tricks we have provided today during the holiday season. Um, and I hope that they've learned a little bit more about you and how you became with the, um, involved with the Alzheimer's Society as well. Um, hey, listeners, my call to action for all of you. How can you help? Educate yourself and encourage others to do the same. Refer your circle of friends and family to our services. Support our events and fundraising campaigns and become a dementia-friendly community. Let's keep talking about dementia. Listen to new podcasts on the last Friday of every month on our YouTube channel, Alzheimer Windsor. Don't forget to subscribe. Help for today, hope for tomorrow. And remember, we are better together. Thank you so much, Dina. You're so welcome. Nice to see you, Cindy. Thank you. Thank you.